Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Good morning. It is a joy to be with you today, and I want to begin simply by saying thank you. Thank you to each one of you in this congregation for the ways that you have supported my wife and I and our two children in our ministry in Egypt. We're very, very grateful for you, and um, thank you, thankful for your generosity, both of spirit and of support. And if you ever find yourself in the coming days reading in the newspapers headlines from Egypt, and occasionally we do generate headlines, please take a moment and pray for the country. Pray for the Christians, the students that we work with, and the leaders over there who are trying to be light and salt in the name of Jesus Christ. We turn now to the New Testament, to the book of Acts, verses 1 to 13. Listen to the word of God. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like a rush of violent wind, and it went to the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Join me in prayer. Gracious God, let the good news come now, not only in word, but also in power, and with full assurance through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. When I heard from the office here that I was going to have the chance to speak on Pentecost, I actually had tremendously uh, conflicted feelings. On the one hand, I get to be an, a missionary to Egypt who comes here, and I was given probably the only New Testament text possible where we have Egypt, Libya, Arabs, Cappadocia. We got all the all-stars. I get to talk about my area of the world. So that was really exciting. But it's also a, a, a verse that I struggle with a little bit because I spent the last 20 years 
trying to learn Arabic. And I'm told that the first 50 years is the hardest, so I'm clinging to that promise. But it's hard to preach on a verse where these guys just get language with no blood, sweat, and tears just coming from heaven in a second. And I get to talk about it today. So I have conflicted feelings. But at the same time, I want to stress how exciting this is. And how exciting it is to me that I get to preach on this verse, the Pentecost verses, on the same day as we have communion. Because I think we learn something about what it means to be spirit-led people as the church of Jesus Christ. The story is, a, is an interesting one and a familiar one, but we start out, and in the first verse, we, we learn straight out, they were all gathered they were all together in one place. So the first, the first part of the story is that all these Christians who have just seen the risen Lord, they've seen it post-resurrection. They're, they're both inspired by what they've seen in the risen Christ, but they're also fearful. They're clinging to understand what does all of this mean. So they gather together. Day after day, they gather together seeking God's leading. And then you start to see something remarkable. It's, it's this disruptive language, this language of God rushing in. Do, do you hear the verse? All of a sudden, in verse 2, you see like a rush of violent wind. And you see this image of tongues of fire coming down. It's disturbing when you start thinking about exactly what's happening. And each one of them is filled with the Holy Spirit is filled with the Holy Spirit, but not just for their own sake, is filled with the Holy Spirit in a way that gives them the ability to proclaim in a different language the deeds of power of God. In some ways, what we see here at Pentecost is actually a reversal of what we have in the Tower of Babel story in Genesis. In Genesis, what you see is you see people coming together and saying, we, we people, because of our unified language, will build a tower into heaven that will surpass all things, and we will be great. So the unified language gives them the confidence in themselves to build this tower to heaven. And in the Genesis story, what you see is a dispersal and languages, and no one can understand one another after that. But here at Pentecost, you see the reversal of it. You see all these people gathered together, both hopeful on the one hand, but also fearful on the other hand, and all of a sudden, by the power of God coming down into them, they begin speaking these other languages, not forcing their own language on others, but rather by God's power accommodating themselves and reaching over boundaries to proclaim the deeds of power to others. So you actually have God coming down and, and meeting other people in this dispersal of languages and bringing unity through the diversity. And you see a, a ruckus. It's actually a very funny story to me in the sense that you have all of these people sitting and then the tongues of fire come down on him, and all chaos breaks loose. You, you, hear, you hear words like people are amazed and bewildered and astonished. Again, amazed and perplexed. And, and it creates such a ruckus that people begin coming from all around. 
They're hearing this thing happening, and they rush to try to see what's, what's happening in this chaos. And in that chaos, they begin to hear the gospel message preached in their own language. And they wonder, what is happening here? And I love this, this particular quote when it talks about, um, yeah, are not all those, these who are speaking Galileans, I love that, as if the Galileans can't speak anything else. It's like the, the old joke where you say, well, what's a person who speaks two languages, bilingual, three languages, trilingual, one language, American? <laughs> so these Galileans, it's just assumed, can't possibly do this. And on their own, they can't. But what you see is, by the power of God, people hearing this gospel message and responding to it for the first time. But even at Pentecost, even at the day where you see these tongues of fire come down, a mighty wind rushing out, everybody's doing these these amazing feats and hearing the word of God proclaimed in power, even then there were people who were doubting. It was insufficient. There were people who said, no, 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 this is not going to work for us. And I love it, actually, that the, the, the verses that we stopped at, the last verse I read, but there were others who sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. So the, the end of our gospel reading today is basically an accusation that the church was drunk that day. And yet, even in the midst of all this chaos, even in the midst of all that was happening, the fundamental truth is that 3,000 people that day accepted the gospel and asked to be baptized. 3,000 people. As I reflect with you today, I want to I think about three basic points of our story. The first one is about the importance of community and gathering together. The second point is about God's agency and action in our world. And the third point is where is the focus of our ministry? It's always, always outward. So the first thing I want to say is that people were gathering. They gathered together. That first verse makes it perfectly clear. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. We need each other. We worship the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we need to come together. In this day and age, it's so easy to stay at home and and check things out on the internet or watch television or whatever. We actually need community. Our world is starving for community, and the church calls us to come together with all our diverse backgrounds to come together and be unified in one place as one body. We see in the New Testament again and again and again, the stress is not mainly on the individual. God definitely loves each one of us as individuals, but with a telos towards the group, towards the community. What was Jesus Christ trying to do? He was proclaiming the kingdom. A kingdom necessarily involves individuals, but it's the kingdom. It's the body. A body necessarily involves its parts. But again, it's the body. It's the kingdom. It's the the community. And we see this again and again in Scripture. In Egypt, one of the things that happened um, several years ago is there there was an attack. And in one single day, over 100 churches were burned or destroyed 
And one of the most interesting things that happened during that time was the reaction of the Christians in those churches. What, what I would assume as a human instinct is, is that people would be fearful. They've just been attacked violently. But the day of worship that came after those attacks, after those burnings, had more people in church than ever before. They needed to be together. They met in, in buildings that had been charred, so they couldn't even sit down on pews because they were so incredibly darkened with ash. They had to come together. The second point is, is that God is the agent in Pentecost. I love this story because what we see is we actually see all of these people who are struggling, like you and I, struggling to come up with the best strategic plan. What are we going to do together? But it's at that point that God is not the audience, but the agent who steps in and acts on behalf of others. I think so often we try to, to think of ourselves as, as the people who are going to do things for God. I think if we read the Bible again and again, and, and Pentecost is no exception, God often works in spite of his people rather than because of his people. God is the agent at Pentecost. And the final thing I want to emphasize here is, is that the end goal of Pentecost is not the people themselves inside that room gathering. It's the proclamation of those people outside. Do you, did you hear all of those countries? It, 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 from, from the standpoint of the scripture, it's saying every single person or every single country known to God, under God's heaven was there. The focus of it was mission. It was a proclamation of this Jesus Christ risen, not only for our sake, but for the sake of the world. As we now turn to communion, I want to think about the implications of the Pentecost story for us. The first thing is that communion means community. It means that each one of us has a choice to come to the table of the Lord today and participate as a community and trust that God will indeed meet us here in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The second thing that I want to underscore is, is that it's God who is the agent here. Too often we think of, of it as something that we do for God. And yes, we do proclaim his death until he comes. But it's actually God who promises to meet us here. There's a wonderful quote from John Calvin where he, he encourages the believers to come to the supper even when we have doubts. And he says this. If we allege as a pretext for not coming to the supper that we are still weak in faith and integrity of life, it is as if, and excuse the gender language, it's as if a man excuse himself from taking medicine because he is sick. This then is how the frailty of faith which we feel in our heart with all the imperfections that persist in our lives ought to incite us to come to the table as a remedy designed by God to correct it. God is the agent who calls us to this table. And the final aspect is, is that our hope is not an end inside of this church. 
God works in our lives. He strengthens each one of us so that when we end this service, we can go out and proclaim the gospel to our community, to Malawi, to these children who need backpacks, to people in Egypt and our friends and family so that they too can know the grace and the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I invite you all now to come to the table. Jesus Christ tells us that people will come from north and south, east and west, to this table, the table of the Lord. The Lord calls each one of us who put our trust in God to come to this table and be fed by God's grace and hope. Join me now in prayer. Gracious God, you have not abandoned us. You have not left us to ourselves, but you have promised to be here in our midst and in our, in our presence. Lord, we pray now that by your grace and your power, you would take these simple elements of, of bread and of wine and that you would use them to communicate your grace, your hope, and your power to each one of us that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would bind your trust and that you would send us out into the world that we might be light and salt to all those that we encounter. Lord, we thank you for your presence here and we ask that you would do all these things in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. <laughs>